Alexander. Football Friday. Good afternoon, all. Dan Cilio here on the National Football Show. Get me all fired up and ready to go here on a football Friday. By the way, you know that belly aching that Aaron Rodgers did in the offseason and all that whining and crying? They hate me. They don't love me. You know, the organization is not where it needs to be. Well, if you play like you did last night against Arizona, you can bitch and bellyache all you want, dog, because if you keep producing that and you keep producing wins, you can cry on my shoulder all night long. I don't care. Do you understand that that guy has won 33 of 40 games since they fired Mike McCarthy? 33 of 40 in the regular season, Aaron Rodgers. And if you want to cry, Jamie, I need Randall Cobb. And you need like a whoopee and maybe a bottle or a, a wookie to suck on. Have at it, bro. I'll get you anything you need. You play like that. That's some good football last night. That was as good a football game as I watched. Came down to the last seconds. Hey, man, Arizona's for real. Do you know how many good one-loss football teams there are now in the NFL? Dude, and get this, I think they're so close. There's not a lot of separation. You might say this, well, the Buccaneers, you know, maybe a little bit because of Brady and the experience factor of what he brings to a football team. But we would we not agree there's a lot of great one-loss NFL teams this year? So this is going to make for a great week eight in the NFL this coming weekend here. All right. And then there's the Eagles. <laughs> then there's planting flowers. Oh, my God. What a week, man. What an absolute week, man. Jordan, thank you, brother. Bench hurts. How you doing? <laughs> uh, good afternoon, Dangerous Dan. That's what my grandpa used to call me, Dangerous Dan. Dan's in the Dan Cave. Oh, yeah, we're clearly in the Dan Cave. By the way, now that I have found this platform in how I can do my show, I'll never leave my house. Because Dan doesn't like to really leave his house much. And now that I found a way that I don't ever have to leave, and you just give me my Coronas and whatever, you know what? I don't need anything else here, man. Right here in the bar, right here. I'm good, man. I'll I'll die here. What, what happened to Cilio? Oh, he, he died in the Dan Cave. Did he ever leave it? Nah, man. This guy just was in the Dan Cave talking to all his homies on the National Football Show. He would do it 4 to 6 Eastern every day, and that's all the world ever saw Dan. Oh, yeah, man. I, I, I would take my driveway and blow it up so nobody could drive up it. Yeah. Hey, kneecapping flowers. What an absolute spectacular lead headline. The kneecapper versus the flower child. Dan Campbell, I'm going to eat all your kneecaps, and we're going to go out there and bludgeon everyone, and I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to get my sickle and beat the shit out of you. How you doing? Why am I sounding like Popeye? I'm going to get you there, matey. That's my Lions. We may be 0-7, but we're going to kick the shit out of you. How you doing? You know. Then you got this guy. You know? Planting flowers is a spiritual thing. And I don't know why I'm looking like Stevie Wonder either. <laughs> hey, man, 
You know, it's a spiritual thing. Planting flowers, the roots, you know, it grows. You know, it goes up. The guys in the locker room have to understand we're like, you know, like a flower. It grows. Dog, man, talking to grown men about growing flowers. How many of those guys in that locker room you even think have seen a seen a garden? <laughs> Are that carrots? What is that? Oh, that's cabbage? I don't know. How many guys do you think in that locker room have ever seen? The only seeds they've ever seen <laughs> are on a marijuana tray. <laughs> hey, Nick, the only seeds, honestly, that half your locker room has seen has been on a marijuana tray. Telling me about doing. Give me a break, man. The kneecapper versus the seedling. This is a must-win game for Nick Sirianni. All kidding aside, this guy's got to win this game, man. Did you hear some of the players coming out and publicly going, we got our coaches back? Why do you think they're doing that? In the 21 years that Brady was in New England, did you ever hear a New England Patriot player come out and say, we have Belichick's back? Carroll, Bruce Arians. All the really great coaches, Sean Payton, I got my coaches back. Even after Bounty Gate, nobody said that they had Sean Payton's back. Sean Payton doesn't need to have anybody get his back. When you're a great coach, I don't need you to get my back. You don't have to get my back. I'm paid to get your back. This is not an equal opportunity relationship when you're a head coach and you're a player. Yeah, we share in the losses. No, you don't. This falls at the feet of the coach. This falls at the feet of the player. That's why Howie can skate by. Howie Roseman can skate by. You know why he can skate by? Because he doesn't have a one-loss record. Coaches and players can't skate by. Howie can blame it on coaching and playing and whatever, but he doesn't have a one-loss record. Neither does the owner. But they're sure um, able to grab a hold of that 2017 season, aren't they? Things are going wrong. They'll still grab a hold of that 17 season. And then you know what else they'll do? When, when, when things are going bad, they'll even grab it. They don't have a one-loss record, guys. This is why this is a must-win game for Sirianni. Hey, and if you even want to say it's a must-game win for Howie Roseman, Xander was saying this to me. He thinks it's a big game for Jalen. Hey, man, Jalen Hurts is a pawn in this story today. He's a pawn in this whole thing. He was the pawn that was used against Carson Wentz. That's all he is. Do you know why he's accentuated? There's two things. Because Howie overdrafted him. How he never thought that that guy would ever be in the position. You think when they drafted him, he thought he'd be in this position now where he was evaluating him as a potential future of the franchise? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Jordan says Eagles aren't winning the game. This is the game where the fertilizer hits the road to, <laughs> right, hits the fan. 
Antron, it's a big game for all three of them. Okay, I'll take that, Antron. Let's dissect that for a second. Why is this a big game for Nick Sirianni? How much bullshit can you keep telling people? How, many, how much stuff can you keep saying to people that, you know, we're doing RPOs when you're not? Just like Barrett said yesterday, Barrett Brooks. Dude, the only thing they're doing is option. There's no run pass to this whole thing. There's absolutely no run pass at all to this. There's no run pass. So the bottom line, this comes down to this here, guys. You got to make sure that these guys are in the process of understanding one thing. You know what that is? These guys have to understand that when they go out there this Sunday, this is all about trying to get a W because that team needs a W, and so does Nick Sirianni needs a W. Okay? He'll lose the locker room. Dude, if he loses against the Lions, he's going to lose the locker room. How could he not lose the locker room? You've already lost one side of the football with the defensive guys. Fletcher Cox has already come out publicly and started barking. Hey, man, this game is not good for us. The personnel that we have on this football team, he's been, this is basically what he's saying. Okay? This is basically what he's saying. And if you lose that offensive side of the ball, this guy loses the team if you lose to that 0-7 Lions team. Because nobody in the room will believe a word he's saying. It isn't it funny. I believe Dan Campbell more than I believe Nick Sirianni. He's 0-7. Think of that for a minute. Hey, for the record, for all of you guys out there, Birdman, thanks for coming aboard. I'll say this to you here. Ready? Lions win 28-20. They win the ball game 28-20. Because, get this, I don't think they're confused. I think that football team understands what is being asked of them. Play hard, show up on time, and play like hell. Those are the three fundamental rules. Show up on time, play like hell. There's really nothing else, man. Those are the old John Madden rules. We're not talking about flowers and, 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 and Kobayashi hot dog eating videos. We're not doing any of that. Gil, appreciate you coming aboard. For the greater good of the Eagles, we must lose this game. You know why Gil's saying that? You know why Gil's not rooting against the Eagles? You know what he's rooting against? The direction of the team, aren't you, Gil? Right, Gil? You're not rooting against the team. You're rooting against the direction of the team. Xander, put that up there because Gil's a, Gil is an Eagle fan. I want to show you what a really good Eagle fan is. Right there. This guy's not hoping and rooting against the Eagles. He's rooting against what's going on. And his point is the only way we can change this is if we expose this. This has to be exposed. Eastside Monster, appreciate you coming aboard, brother. All good, man. You're welcome anytime. Jordan says, Trey Thomas said, team leaders need to step up. 24-16 Lions. Damn. See what Gil just said? Absolutely. Not an eagle hater. 
He hates what he's seeing. And see, the great thing about when you're a fan of a great passionate team, like the Steelers, the Packers, the Patriots, teams like that, Seattle, you don't hate your team. You're loyal to the soil, dude. But you know what you're hoping for? That people get exposed for their bullshit. Look at, look at King Dave here. This is the first time I want us to lose a game. Shit. Do you understand what's going on here today on this program, the National Football Show? You got Eagle fans hoping for a loss, not because they hate the damn team, because they hate the people running the damn team. Guys, nowhere in Philadelphia would they let you vent like this, would they? They would call you, oh, you got to root for your team. I don't subscribe to that either. My team sucks. Like, my big thing is here, these hurricanes, they suck. Oh, they're going to lose the pit. And I want them to lose the pit. You know why? I, I, I need a house cleaning at my place. And I help build the fucking thing. See this you here? You're welcome. You're welcome. See that shit? You're welcome. See those national championship rings? You're welcome. And I'm praying for them to lose too. It's okay. Now the person in this bitch hates the Eagles. Not the person in and on this show today, hates their home team. But when it's not going good, guys, you don't boycott your team. You know who boycotts teams? Rams fans. Snowflakes in Los Angeles. Those kind of weirdos. San Francisco. Seattle. All those woke cities, man. Those are the people that do that. Yeah, man. You know, you don't, that's not here. This isn't Snowflake Central. Okay? It's not Snowflake Central. Uno, speak up. Thank you, brother. Jordan says, hate the decisions the damn front office has made. Absolutely. James says, I don't think a loss against the Lions will change anything other than put Sirianni on the hot seat. Howie and Loria will still be at the top of the chart. James, I hate to do this to you, man. You're right. Lucio, I hope I'm saying that right. We don't, hey, we don't even hate the, I know you don't, man. Hey, look at that. You're the Cowboys. Why should you? Why should you hate it? Why should you? Okay, why should you? Why should you, man? You're in first place in the NFC East. You're going to own it. You're not going to play Dak, I'm hearing, on Sunday. Do you know why you're not going to play? Oh, my God. Hey, Eagle fans, this is for you from the Dallas Cowboys. Are you ready? They're not going to play Dak Prescott because you suck with Washington and New York. What a disgraceful thing. They're going to need Dak to beat Minnesota on Sunday. Minnesota's good. I think they're 3-3. Three and three. 
But get this, because they think you suck so bad, they know they got the East wrapped up. That's freaking embarrassing. They know you're not a threat with Washington. So they're going to sit back. Maybe one or two games. Won't matter. They're still the best team in the East by far. By far. Gil says you played with my favorite Eagle, Jerome Brown. Shout out to you. Gil. My guy. Miss him every day. Bobby says, I think a loss gets Hurts benched. But, Bobby, here's the thing that would be a good thing if if benching Hurts led to putting Gardner Minshew in. And one more time, I want to make this very clear here. Gardner Minshew's not the future of the Philadelphia freaking Eagles. But what he could be is the guy that determines whether or not Nick Sirianni's the future. Of the Philadelphia Eagles. You feel me? Because if he can't coach him and he can't coach Jalen, then what the hell is he in the room for? Dave says, as a Falcon fan, I love listening to your show. Dave, your Falcons have turned it around. You're 3-3 three and three on the season. I wouldn't go to sleep on them being a wild card team. They've righted that shit, dude. Ever since getting blown out by the Eagles in game one, they've righted the ship. Matt Ryan's actually playing pretty damn good football. And let me throw one more at you here, Dave. That kid Kyle Pitts is turning out to be somebody who's going to put his name in the conversation for maybe NFC Rookie of the Year offensively. I think Chase with the Bengals has wrapped that bitch up. But don't go to sleep on Kyle Pitts. He's starting to pick it up good here, man. The Philly Talk Podcast. Hate the direction and understand, but I can't wake up Sunday and want to lose. Philly, right. I get it. You're right. You're right because I get it. But 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 Philly talk. Let me ask you this though. How did you take it when your organization quit on you in Washington at the last game of the year last year? How did you take that? Tell me that absolutely aggravated you. How could you watch a professional football team quit? And the players didn't want to. The organization quit on the players. They quit on them. You know, you saw Lane and all those guys sitting on the bench going like this. What the fuck? You got it. How about this? Did you not see those old lineman guys going like this? Got to be kidding me. Shaking their heads. Right? Shaking their heads. Uno, this is about getting it here. You know what you get here? You're not going to hear whiners like you do on radio in Philly or anywhere around the country. We're going to bitch about what's going on. Then we're going to talk about how to fix it. And I don't know. Get this. As a professional football doctor that I am, I don't know if your disease or your virus is curable. I don't know if there's booster shots or I don't know if there's COVID shots that can help you here with this one. I I really don't. Anthony, Jalen Hurts might might have been one of the worst second-round picks 
Well, he ain't getting the coaching, so I don't know. I don't know. He's not a second-round pick. You could have waited and got that guy. You could have got that guy in the fifth round. Second round? Thanks for coming aboard, Ken. As I said, 28-20. Sirianni loses this game. He entirely loses that locker room. If Howie loses this game, Howie can't keep blaming it on anybody else. There's nobody else to blame it on. Guys, do you know what we're doing this week? I don't know how you've tolerated this for the last three years. I don't know how you've tolerated this. Isn't it the same rerun every day? I feel like I'm watching the same rerun of a movie that I love, but I feel like I'm watching. And by the way, I love The Godfather, but I don't want to see it every day. And I feel like I'm watching the same movie over and over and over again, over and over. And I keep talking about the same shit over and over and over. Uno says critical week. You know why it's a critical week? Because the fans are doing this. Dude, you you guys don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. Hey, it's not Jalen's fault. You know, Xander told me this. He goes, I think this is a big week for Jalen. Really? Does it matter? Does it matter? The same offensive game plan is going to go into this game. The same mental approach is going to go into this attack. Exactly, Kevin. It's Groundhog Day. This shit is Groundhog Day. Day says, and we have to expose this because no free agent is coming here. Bang. King Dave, thank you. Hey, by the way, guys, please do me a favor. Hit the like button. I so appreciate you guys doing it, man. You guys are spectacular. Dave, you're right, dude. How are you going to attract not just a quarterback, but receivers and running? You think you could ever attract King Henry? You think you could ever go after somebody like Derrick Henry or any other big back? an Alvin Kamara or anybody like that that would want to come and play in Philly, knowing who pulls the strings in this thing? This is ridiculous, man. This is ridiculous. By the way, real quick here, before we take our first time out here, so did you see what the commissioner of the National Football League has been paid over the last two years? He's been paid nearly $130 million through a pandemic. Hey, Roger, then what the fuck are you telling me about putting a salary cap down? Like Brady pointed out last year, why did the player's salary cap go down and your salary go up? How the fuck did that work? You made 65 million bucks in the last two years during a pandemic when there were no fans in the stands and you're trying to tell me the NFL is hemorrhaging and you made $65,000? This guy's not an owner. He's the highest paid non-owner in the NFL, and that includes all the players and coaches. 
And you're going around telling everybody, well, the salary cap's coming down. Why? Oh, I see. The owner's money goes up. The commissioner's salary goes up, but the player's money goes down. What an absolute fucking train wreck they are to lie to people like that. The commissioner made 65 million bucks when everybody was out there saying, hey, cap's coming down. NFL's not making money. Really? (laughs) Okay, guy. I'm going to tell you why the Lions beat the Eagles. We're going to do that. A lot more NFL news. Some big games. Hey, don't go to sleep in that Buccaneer Saints game, too. That's a revenge game for Jameis Winston. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Welcome back, National 
National Football Show, your boy Daniel. Oh, by the way, I got to throw this out right away here before we get back into where we're going. And of course, it would take some snowflake from ESPN to write an article. When are the Atlanta Braves going to stop the chop? It's offensive. When when are they going to stop it? It's so offensive. So you think the chop in Atlanta is offensive? Or are you just making something up for it to sound racist? Florida State Seminoles, it's one of the coolest scenes in the history of college football. And you want to know something, Snowflake? I've been there, and it's intimidating. I've been to Doe Campbell. Then the king comes out on the horse and throws that spear at your feet. Place is pitch dark. It's intimidating. And it's the coolest setting and one of the coolest settings in all college football. It's fucking totally great. I love it. I have no issue with it. But of course, what are you doing? Doing the chop. You know, ESPN will make anything look racist except Stephen A. Smith. He'll 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 do anything. And say anything. ESPN don't care though. He'll insult a Japanese born player. And he'll tell everybody that Shohei Otani can't be the face of baseball because he was born in Japan and he's a He's a Japanese-born citizen. What? You can't be any more racist than that. That's a racist comment. Why? Because he's Japanese? Yeah. (laughs) Shohei Otani's the greatest thing ever to happen to baseball. With all the hate crimes going on in this country against Asian Americans, you should be propping that guy's ass up and using him and showing how great it is to be an Asian. How great it is that we accept everybody in our sport. Instead, you got Stephen A. Smith. That's not racist to them. But the, but the Braves chop is. Come on, man. You don't buy anything coming out of that shithole in ESPN in Bristol, do you? How could you buy anything out of that thing? I mean it, man. The Entertainment Sports Network? I don't know. It's the CNN of sports networks. You got to be kidding me, right? I saw that. I'm like, so was it Jeff Passion wrote that? I was like, dog, man, really? Don't you have better things to do in your life? But you see what it got more hits on the internet, didn't it? Got some big hits for him. You know, he threw racist out there. Hey, remember this. Any of you guys... Do me a favor, okay? If you're trying to get into sports broadcasting and your shows don't get enough views or you're not getting enough clicks, always go to the race card. It always helps. Just go to the race card. That's now part of Broadcasting 101, okay? You, you notice this, right? You see it with the news people. When things aren't working, they go to Trump. In my business, they, they go to the race card. Everything's racist. 
He's a racist because he said something 14 years ago. That's what they do to me, right? That's what they do. Right. I hate ESPN. I do, man. Okay. And by the way, I'm going for the Astros. All right. Let's get back over to why I say the Lions win versus the Eagles. Why do you think the Lions win versus the Eagles this weekend? Just give me, let me hear some of your thoughts. Why, why, do you, why do you think um, – by the way, do I think that the Eagles have a better roster? I do. I think the Eagles have a better roster. But tell me, tell me why you think I'm here with this. Why, why, why do you think I'm picking? <laughs> Cover two zone? <laughs> hey, hey, smile. I, that may be a little, bit, um, a little bit in the weeds there. Running game? Okay. That, that's good. <laughs> hey, Eastside Monster says the bone crusts are sensitive towards skeletons. I don't know where you got your info from, Eastside Monster, but I'm, I'm sensitive to clowns. Clowns. Thank you, Bobby. Appreciate it. How about this one? I'll do the simplest one for you here. Because I think those players in Detroit – I think they believe in their coach. I think they want to play for their coach. I think everything they're doing at Detroit right now reminds me of a lot of the things that Tony Dungy went through when he started his coaching career 0-8. Man, Kat, thanks for coming aboard. Eagles get outcoached every game. They do. And I believe they'll be outcoached in this game. Dan Campbell, I like what he's doing. May not be the greatest guy in front of a microphone, but when he got in front of the microphone a couple weeks ago and he started getting emotional for his guys. Here, guys, I want to show you something. The difference between a guy planting seeds and flowers and all that other shit and another guy getting emotional about his guys losing a a tight game. Dan Campbell got in front of the microphone and basically just dropped his pants there in front of everybody, and he basically exposed himself, and he just said, I love these guys, man. I just love these guys. We can't get them a win. We just can't get them a win, man. They're working their ass off. They're working so hard. You should see the effort they put in. You should see all the fight they have in them, man. There's so much fight in these guys. We're get, we're there. We're getting closer. We're there, man. And he, he started getting emotional. You started seeing him tear up. You know what I started thinking there? Man, this guy doesn't care what you think of him. He only cares what the guys in the locker room think of him. I'd run through a fucking wall for that guy. I would run through a wall for him. That made me go, wow. This guy here, man, is somebody I want to play for. I want to play for that guy. I want to play for him. Matt Cat says, much love all the way from Vegas. My son, youth, quarterback. Cool, man. Tell him to keep up the good work. Okay? Mike, that's the reason right there that Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a head coaching job, but the woke media won't report that. Although sexual assault charges when he was in college, the fighting of the firemen in college, 
and all the bad behavior that he had in his uh, youth and in his younger day, Mike, that's something that the media will not put out there. They will not put that out there. He's got a rap sheet an arm long. Okay, he's got a rap sheet an arm long, dude. I'm one of the only shows in the country that talks about that. You know, all these other guys that were getting hired ahead of him, they didn't have any of those rap sheets. How do you turn a franchise over to a guy that's had really questionable behavior? Questionable, questionable behavior in his past. I know Andy Reid has spoken for him. He's going to get a job because of mounting public pressure. But you wouldn't, nobody, hey, hey you want to know something? Eric Bieniemy wouldn't get a normal job in America today with that background. The only place he'll get a job is in the NFL. With a background like Eric Bieniemy has, he couldn't get a job in McDonald's. I'm not kidding. That's not a joke. Nobody's going to hire a guy like that and put a person in the workplace like that that's had that type of behavior. And that's why some of these owners have paused. And then the owners get called racist by the media. But that's the honest truth. He's not been hired because of his own doing. Nothing else. Mancat, yeah. I'll tell you what. Watch this. Just Google it. It's there for everyone to read. It's not me making things up. I couldn't believe half the crap I read. Okay? I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't believe. Half the crap I read about Eric Bieniemy's behavior. And I'm like, nobody's going to give this guy, but they'll be mounting pressure. Dan Campbell, you buy into him. You believe him. I believe him. Nick Sirianni, on the other hand, here, here, get this. I'm going to put away the seedling things and all that other flower stuff and put that stuff away. Okay? I'm going to put it. Yeah, hey. Pro, it's 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 that's not Dan Cilio saying it. Just Google it. Just Google it, man. It's there. Eric Bieniemy, criminal past. <laughs> Just Google it. It's crazy. People speaking out too. He did some of the stuff against a fireman. Got into a fight with a fireman. Crazy. Anyway, I'm gonna put the stuff away with Sirianni. Okay. When it comes to the seed stuff. And I'm going to go here with this. Um, just how he runs the team now. Did you see that comment? It was either in a newspaper or he said it at a press conference. That he never watches the defense. And he's never involved in any of the defensive like meetings. He doesn't really watch that side of the ball. So you're telling me you've turned your football team order over who was under the direction of Jim Swartz, a former NFL head football coach who was your defensive coordinator, and you turned it over to a dude that looks like he coaches at Don Bosco in New York. That's a really good high school. And this guy looks like he just graduated from Princeton. I mean, you turned it over to that guy. Eastside Monster, what head coach doesn't watch tape on all three facets of his team? This is the first I've ever heard. Hey, what do you, 
What do you against gardening, Dan? Uh, hey, hey, Paul, I have nothing against gardening. Do I look like I have anything against gardening? Thank you. Eastside Monster, though, you're right, dude. Who doesn't watch film on his players? Hey, um, watch this, Coach Seriani. How do you think the defense is playing right now? I don't know. I don't really, you know. Here, here, I'm going to give you what really he should have said, right? Right? Watch this. Hey, hey, Coach, how do you think your defense is playing right now? I don't know. The red goes, so your defense has been crap for a month, and you haven't been peeking your head into a defensive meetings. Yeah. He said it. I don't really go into those meetings. Cedric, huh? You got a head football coach that doesn't coach the entire team. He's still a coordinator. Better yet, he's still the receivers coach in Indy. That guy doesn't watch game film. I have no faith in that. So when you're a defensive football player, you've never seen your head coach in a team meeting? When you just have your defensive personnel in your defensive meetings? He's never come by to sit in the D-line meetings, or he's never gone to a defensive coordinator player meeting. He's never talked to the defense prior to the game. He just addresses everybody as a unit. Now, I'm going to give you something here. Bruce Arians doesn't go to any meetings. Bruce doesn't go to any, any offensive meetings. But Bruce Arians got Todd Bowles. Bruce Arians has got Byron Leftwich. And Bruce Arians is a Super Bowl winning coach, having won him as a coordinator in Pittsburgh, having been the NFL coach of the year, having won a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers, and knowing he has Tom Brady in the offensive meetings. Why would you want to get in the way of anything on that football team right now when you've got a coach in waiting in Todd Bowles? Todd Bowles is going to be the head football coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when Bruce retires. He's already signed a five-year contract extension. That's what that's all about. He's the coach in waiting. Byron is Byron's going to go get a job. He's going to be a head coach at the college level or he's going to be an NFL head coach somewhere. I actually love the way he calls plays. And how about this, too? You don't think he's growing under the tutelage of Tom Brady and Bruce Arians as an offensive coordinator? Who would you rather have right now as your football's head football coach? Eric Bieniemy or Byron Leftwich? Who do you feel more comfortable with? Seems to me that since Andy Reid has been given the personnel reins in Kansas City, that three and four Chiefs team doesn't look like that Chiefs team from three years ago when John Dorsey put all those great talented people on that roster. That don't look like the same team to me. Joey B. Leftwich. Okay, I mean, I don't know, man. Eric Bieniemy's star is kind of like, you know, falling a little bit here since the Super Bowl. But they're going to win because they're buying into Dan Campbell in, in Detroit. 
Do you know what they're doing in Philadelphia? They're questioning. Does this guy really know what he's doing? This guy has no interest on one side of the ball. And when, they, when, when players come to the defense of the coach and they go, hey, we got our coaches back, that's when you know they don't. Don't ask me if I have my coaches back. Ask me if you think we're going to win against Detroit this weekend. Hey, Eastside Monster, Todd Bowles, right? Hasn't been given a lot of opportunity to be a true head football coach because he landed in a couple really crappy places. And it's still a question mark on whether he can be a good head football coach, but he's a hell of a coordinator. That guy's a hell of a defensive coordinator, man. He is really a great coordinator. Okay? Oh, by the way, this weekend, I cannot wait for Carson Wentz versus the Titans. Woo! Yeah, baby, let's root for Carson. Or, or, oh, oh. Or is that taboo? Is that taboo? Tell you why. This is the biggest game in Carson Wentz's career this weekend. More on Lions and Eagles. Keep it right here on the National Football Show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Metson Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the Caps, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life, 
First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight cares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Bobby says Colts getting smoked Sunday. I'll get to that here in a minute. Can you imagine if this Eagle team gets crushed by this Lions team? Oh, I think it could happen. We all know this right now. Tell me if you guys believe this. That Eagle season is teetering right now. You're like this. What are they, two and five? They're like this right now, aren't they? Boat's taking water on. Pretty rocky right now, right? And you're debating, right? Get this. And you're debating whether or not to jump off the boat and abandon ship. Do you agree? You know what happens in the NFL? These guys here. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Fans in 75. Is Deuce Staley currently in the league? I'm going to go 75 on. 75. Let me ask you something. Would it matter if you put Dick Vermeil back in there? If you hired Andy Reid? If you had Bill Belichick? Does it matter? You have an owner and general manager that refuse to let people do their jobs. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. You hire people to fire people. You're not hiring people to develop. You're not hiring people with good intentions. Do you know what you're hiring? Excuses. Well, Look at what, what what would be the number one excuse this year for Howie Roseman if the Eagles, and they are right now, a dumpster fire. Well, it's not my players I've drafted. Again, it's a bad coach. So wait a minute, Doug Peterson and now Nick Sirianni suck. Sirianni was on an 11-win playoff team last year, and he was working with Frank. Oh, and got, by the way, the guy who else worked with Frank – um, you know, and worked with Doug Peterson. Okay. He swears by Nick. So something's not right here. What is it? What's up, Carlos? That's right, VD Pate. Sirianni is just going to be an excuse ramp for them to go off on. Well, we, we got it wrong, guys. You know, we went with a first year guy like everybody. And you know what else too they'll do? They'll they'll go down to Cliff Kingsbury, Sean. Uh, McVeigh and Kyle Shanahan. By the way, guys, the only reason that Kyle Shanahan is still the head football coach in San Francisco is because Kyle Shanahan's last name is royalty in the NFL. He's going to have, and if they lose this week, 
that season is also a dumpster fire, and they're one of the more disappointing football teams this year. It'll be four in the last five years that they've had losing seasons. How does that guy keep his job? Oh, I know, because his last name is Shanahan. It's the only reason. Kyle Shanahan, he, he relies on the fact that he won an NFC title and went to a Super Bowl. Well, get this. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. It didn't matter. Still got his ass fired. Mike says Jalen Hurts and Fletcher Cox and three firsts for Russell Wilson. Is that a good deal? No. Fletcher Cox is too much money past his prime, and Jalen Hurts is an unproven player. That's not going to work for me. You're going to have to give me high draft choices because you know why? I don't want your BS draft choices. Those are Howie's picks. Those are Howie's guys, and one guy's past his prime. I'm not, I don't want that. I want to make my own selections, Howie. Thank you. By the way, Mike, I like where you're going, though. Carlos has it right there, Carlos. Unless Howie's relieved of his, of his duties or given another job. I don't know, taking out the trash. You know, getting ice cream cones for the players and, I don't, I don't know, filling water bottles up. Um, I don't know. That's the only job I'd give him. Daryl, if the Eagles defense plays aggressive, brings safeties. Hey, I'm, I'm just telling you, Daryl, it's, it's, it's too predictable. Barrett Brooks and I watch the same stuff every single week. This, again, I'm going to tell you what their problem is on defense right now, and I'm going to show it to you one more time. They're catching and they're, they're catching and chasing. Two things you can never have on a defense. They're catching and chasing. When you're two-gapping, and that's what that stupid-ass defense is doing, you're here. That means already the offensive guard is almost either man up on me or has his head front side on me. My job is to keep him here, and that means he's already on me front side on play side. What does that mean? I'm being knocked off the ball. Now I'm chasing. What happens when I get knocked off the ball a yard? The linebackers have to back up. They've got to back up a yard. The safeties have to back up. Before you even get your damn defense going, you've already given that defense or that offense a three-yard head start. All they have to do is get two yards, and you've got a five-yard carry. You keep doing that, you're going to get the same result Andy Reid had a couple weeks ago where he went for 200 yards and rushed for more attempts than he had passing attempts in a game. When is the last time you remember Andy Reid having more passing attempts, than, I mean, more running attempts than passing attempts in a game? That defense they're running is flawed, is my point. It's flawed. You cannot run a two-gap defense in today's NFL. You can't have guys on your defense catching. Get up the freaking field, dude. Get in the gaps. Create havoc. Turn your opponent into a one-dimensional football team. What the problem becomes with the Eagle defense, they're not getting any pressure. He doesn't believe in pressure. Okay? And you're getting eaten up with people running the ball on you because the players are two-gapping and they don't – nobody – 
Ask anybody who plays defense. Nobody wants a two-gap. Do you know who two-gappers are? Like Vince Wolfirk and Sam Adams and guys like that. You think Aaron Donald two-gaps? Aaron Donald is a one-gap defensive tackle. Do you know what that means? I'm going to show you because I played that position. Here. I'm on the shoulder pad of the offensive guard. And say I'm playing against I'm playing against Barrett, okay? Barrett doesn't have to Barrett's got to know this. Silio ain't playing to run. But we're not running it. And he knows that. All I have to do is run in a straight line. Watch this. I move that guy's feet by just my alignment cuz he's got to step to me. That creates a lane. Linebacker scrapes on the backside. He hits it, and you you flood the hole. They're not running that. That's not what they're running. You have no chance of success with that defense. No. Why do you think Fletcher's bitching? He's bitching because he's not productive in that defense. Everyone keeps going, why are the Cowboys different than they were a year ago? Why do you think? Dan Quinn's got to play in one gap. They're going to line up on a three. You're rare. Hey, do you, know what a, do you know what an offensive lineman loves every time he sees a guy line up, head up? He's already won and just in the alignment. So if I line this, if I line up, head up on a guy, that offensive lineman already knows he's got the advantage on me. He knows the snap count. He knows the play. And he's already going to be able to have a fair chance of reaching and scooping up on the linebacker on me. It's a dumbass defense. Today's guys are so skilled. They are so skilled. And, and, and get this. Why do, you, why do you see the Rams sometimes get killed and blown off the ball? Because they don't believe in playing the run. It's a different NFL today. Back when I played, you had to be a run-gapping, run-stopping, pass-rushing, dual DT. Today, you don't have to do that. Aaron Donald runs around more blocks than any defensive tackle in history. History. What, what, what do I mean by when I say he runs around blocks? Well, not very many people. Now, look, I'll tell you what. A team like Tennessee, in my opinion, would destroy a team like the Rams. They would destroy them. The only thing that would have to happen is Ryan Tannehill, no turnovers. He's 21 of 25, and he would be because of Derrick Henry running the ball. You think they play the run in Los Angeles with the Rams? Absolutely not they play the run. That football team's all about pressure, all about turning you into one-dimensional. That's the NFL of today. Your Eagle guy, Jonathan Gannon, I mean, Jonathan Gannon, everybody sounds wormy. If I had a defensive coordinator, I want him to be, hey, Stacks Calhoun. Hey, my defensive coordinator, here he is. He's coming to the mic. Coach, hey, Stacks Calhoun, what are you guys doing? Well, we're going to go after people and kick the shit out of people today. And quite frankly, I don't care how we get it done. 
if I got to take a hammer out there on the field and I got to put a hammer belt on every one of my guys, we're going to be pounding that rock and we're going to kick the shit out of people. Well, how are you going to do that? I don't know, man. My guys are going to go out there with their lunch pails and their hard hats on, turn that damn light on, and we're going to go out there and beat the shit out of people. And you tell them, hey, Stacks Calhoun, Coach Calhoun said that. Yep, what's your technique? Technique? This is the NFL guy. Get a guy on the ground. Jimmy Johnson used to always say that to me. We're talking technique. Dude, you know what the technique is? Get him on the ground. Hey, when you're playing against Eric Dickerson or you're playing against Walter Payton or some of them guys, you think I'm thinking technique or you think I'm thinking get him on the ground? I'm thinking of getting that guy's ass on the ground, dog. Technique. Catching and chasing. That's what you got going on in Philly. Jonathan Gunnan. Guy looks like he, seriously, that guy still looks like he picks his nose and eats it. <laughs> yeah. You know, a little kid in like one grade, first grade or whatever. Hey, can we run a tackle slant? <laughs> hey, can we run a tackle slant? What do you think? Can we run a tackle slant? Anybody see me eat it? Jesus Christ, me. <laughs> I love that kid, Thibodeau, James. That kid in, that kid in Oregon, man. <laughs> hey, Jordan, look. Here's Jonathan Cannon. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> hey, hey, Lou. Lou says I'm murdering the Eagles, D.C. Lou, there's two people in the world. There's lions and there's otters. Who are you? We'll take a break and keep it here on the National Football Show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 
or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Talking about the Jim Johnson days. <laughs> One of the greatest defense coordinators of all time. What did he believe in again? Yeah, penetration. Penetrating defenses. What did what did Buddy believe in? Penetrating defenses. What did Jimmy Johnson, the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, believe? Penetrating defenses. Here, let's think about that for a minute. The steel curtain. You think those guys were two gappers? You, you know, listen, let me just, that's right, pressure. Let me tell you the only team I've ever seen where two gapping worked. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you very much. You get your commemorative I participated today because you believe in penetration. Thank you, and I bow to you. Thank you. Can you guys name me the only team in NFL history that two-gapping where you're playing this Jonathan Gannon defense, where your defensive linemen are slugs? Can you tell me any the defense that it worked? There's only one, really. Can you? The New York Giants. You know why? You had freaking Lawrence Taylor and Carl Banks on the perimeters. You, your defense, guys like Leonard Marshall and uh, Jim Burt and them guys, they were good players. But when you have Lawrence Taylor, I want that guy with nobody blocking him on a free bullseye to Jaws' back. <laughs> Bam! Lawrence Taylor did more havoc and wreaked more havoc running that style of defense than anybody in pro football history, including Reggie. LT was a phenomenon. And they set that defense up for him, and he killed guys. It, it just murdered them. 
Jaws and Theismann were his favorite targets. I mean, you've got to have linebackers like that if you're going to run. And the Eagles, the way I'm looking, they ain't got them kind of linebackers. Okay? they. If you're going to play a defense like that, you need to have defensive ends that get after people, that they they set the edges. Nobody gets out wide of their outside shoulder. They keep everything inside, and they make that pursuit go back towards the traffic. You've got to have great end stand-up guys if you're going to play that style. This is the problem with the Eagles front office and the head coach and the coaching staff in period. They've got a way of doing stuff that doesn't conform with the talent that is on the field, which means this. In the hiring process, didn't anybody try to look at what Gannon and what – I mean, hey, by the way, this – oh, my God, guys, I got to tell you this. I just figured this out. Dude, I think Jonathan – I think Jonathan Gannon and Nick Sirianni were interviewed separately. It's the only reason that Sirianni doesn't go into the meetings. It's the only reason that he doesn't know what's going on over there. You think I'm right to that? Boy. So you're telling me they interviewed these guys separately. If the guy in the room is picking your draft choices, how the fuck can he pick coaches? He just fired a Super Bowl guy. This is the worst. Hey, you know what I'm doing right now? Dr. Dan is doing this. Dr. Dan is like, really, I think what we're trying to do here is we're trying to find out what's gone wrong since 17. Now I see what's gone wrong. There's just too much meddling. The coaching staffs are hired separately. The players are under one direction. The owner only cares about saving money when appropriate. Get this, he'll spend the money for a top-flight quarterback. But when he finds out the quarterback might not be the guy, he doesn't have patience like the Steelers do. So what does he do? He puts him on a trap door. Then, get this. I believe Doug Peterson told um, the owner of the Eagles, that guy's in my way. And I think he was pointing, and I think that this was the discord. I think Doug Peterson looked at the owner of the Eagles and said, that guy's in our way. And that was the end of it. Because remember something, that guy is the guy who took the job of one of his dearest friends in Joe Banner. This is starting to get easy to figure out here. Here, and, and, and guys, listen to what we're talking about here. This is way too much drama for a team. How in the world can you be successful when you're doing all of these political backdoor games? 
How can you stay focused on the ball? How can you keep winning and keep things with clarity in your own organization when you're playing these type of political posturing games with one another in all the departments, personnel department, coaching, ownership, finances? When you're doing all of this and one guy has his hand in all of it, how, how, how are you can't remain successful. Eastside goes, hey, you can't have a flower training dogs. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this all the time, Eastside. You don't win championships by drafting and hiring choir boys. Remember that. You don't win championships with choir boys. You win them with dogs. Dude, this is bigger troubles than I thought it was. The Eagles fell into a Super Bowl. You know, I think back on that 17 postseason and all the players that were injured and all the people that were hurt. Thank God that the Eagles had the one thing that no other team had. You know what the Eagles had that year? They won the Super Bowl. What was the one thing they had that was superior to every single team? And I used to go on every show, and I used to do my national radio show. And do you know the one thing I said all year long about that football team? That was the best collection of D-line, O-line combinations I had ever seen. I, I In my time playing, covering it, I have never seen a combination where you owned, like you either had the number one O-line or number two D-line or number two O-line, number one D-line. You know what I mean? I had never seen that combination like that before. And they clearly took advantage of that. Okay? Love Chris Long. Text him today too, dude. I love that dude. They had, they had, they had the best combination. Didn't matter who was running the ball. Didn't really matter who was playing quarterback as long as he didn't turn it over. And Foles got into some Eli Manning winning streak. You know, I said this before about Eli. Eli Manning is a better version than Nick Foles. Okay? He's a better version than Nick. That's who Eli is because they're both streaky players. Eli's as streaky as they get. You get him in the postseason. I'll put his numbers up against his brothers, actually, in the postseason. Eli's got two Super Bowl MVPs. I mean, you know, that's not too bad. <laughs> that's not too bad, man. But, yeah, Eli is a better version of Foles. But they got lucky, man. Injuries and then that fiasco up in Minneapolis, right? When the Saints got knocked out. I'm not sure that Eagle team beats that Saints team that year. That would have been a close one. That would have been very, very, very interesting. Saints were a good football team that year. They were a good team that year. Then that miracle in Minneapolis happened, and it was like, did, did, what, what was the um, NFC title game? Was the NFC title game like Kirk Cousins versus Nick Foles in the NFC? Wasn't it a collection of backup guys that were in that championship game? Am I right when I say that? It was like backup central in that game, right? Right? Wasn't it like that? I could have swore it was Kirk Cousins versus um, 
versus Foles for the NFC Championship. Something it was something like that. And 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 what else was the dynamic in the room there? Okay, oh, it was Case Keenum. Okay, what what else was the dynamic that made that seamless transition when Wentz got hurt that year? What was it? Well, you had two backup quarterbacks dealing with a backup quarterback. Doug Peterson and Frank Reich were perennial backups. They went right to him and said, we've both been here. We know where you are. And Foles looked both of them in the face and felt completely comfortable. Hey, you want to hear something on how a coach doesn't know how to coach and what makes Doug Peterson 10 times the coach Jeff Fisher ever was? Both Case Keenum and Nick Foles were in St. Louis, and he cut them both. He cut them both. Case Keenum and Nick Foles were in St. Louis, and Jeff Fisher cut them. <laughs> Lou says, our offense in that streak was the Super Bowl, was good enough to win a shootout. The Super Bowl against TV was one of the best years. Absolutely. No way how he takes credit. Can't take – well, he does, though. Man, Cat, true. Running game was great, too, that year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when they were winning – you know what's funny about that? See, Howie and the owner couldn't get in the way after Wentz went down against the Rams. They just had to get out of the way there. And do you know, hey, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this right here, and I'm gonna say this again. Do you know who the buffer was in the room between ownership and Howie and Doug Peterson? Frank was that. Frank was Frank was the buffer in there. Eh, you know, we got this on lockdown. We're good. Don't worry, guys. King Dave, yo yeah. The depth on that Eagle team was crazy in 17. It's crazy. Crazy good. Crazy good. Crazy good. By the way, so some people think that uh, the Titans are going to beat the hell out of uh, Carson Wentz and the Colts. I think the Colts are in a desperation mode. They have to win. They're three and four now. They they have to win. And I like desperation teams. And I'll tell you what, man, this Titans team – Beating the Bills and Chiefs in consecutive weeks, that's impressive. That's impressive. I like the Colts in this game in a close one. Wentz is playing Pro Bowl football. I think he writes the ship, and I think that Colts team goes into the halfway mark of the season at 4-4. Four and four. I think they win. I think they upset the Titans this weekend. They're playing good, man. Jonathan Taylor's running the ball effectively. Pretty good stuff, man. I, 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 I'm, I'm leaning that way. Hey, real quick, Cowboys. Looks like Dak Prescott's not going to be starting on Sunday against the Vikings. I mentioned this in the last hour, guys. That's a complete insult to everybody that's in the NFC right now because they know they have the division wrapped up. Woof, man. What a what a shot in the face. 
You know, they're talking to sitting Dak Prescott two weeks because they have such a lead. It's smart. I don't have to worry about the East. You think I have to worry about the Eagles? Eagles can't even get out of their own way right now. Washington is a headless horseman without a quarterback. Okay? The Giants, they're in shambles. They're playing kind of hard, but there's no Barkley there. Judge is on a respirator for his job right now, too. Isn't it funny? There's not a quarterback in that division right now that's worth a shit outside of Dak, and Cowboys know that. So that's why they're going to go like this. They're going to rest them. They're not going to let Dak go out there and get banged up against a Mike Zimmer defense. And I actually think that the Vikings are pretty good. I think Dalvin Cook is still one of the best backs in the game. And they hit people. It's a good football team. And I think they're going to win. <laughs> I mean, they're good, dude. That's a good-looking football team. And I like what's going on there. The kind of last year was kind of the COVID year. This year they got out to a bumpy start, but they're writing it up there. And, and by the way, for the record, if Dak's not in that game, I do think the Vikings win that ball game. I do. I think they win that game. I want to hit on more games in this week eight. This week eight is going to tell me an awful lot, man. It really is. A little more on Lions and Eagles. Hey, and by the way, I wonder what it's going to be like on Monday. And, and the worst, hey, I'm going to tell you, would it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if the Eagles win this thing? Hey, by the way, our friend Jason Cole, we're going to go around the NFL with our friend, wrote this book here on John Elway. By the way, too, he's also the number one guy when it comes to voting for Hall of Fame. He is our Hall of Fame insider as well. Are the Packers the number one team now in the NFC after last night's performance against Arizona? We'll talk to Jason. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, 
IBEW Local 98 members with Back to Work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Welcome back. National Football Show. Your boy, Dan Cilio here. Hey, one one quick note here on uh, Halloween. It's great for kids and rich people. Rich people dress up, dude. When you're an adult, rich people dress up. People that have like nine to five jobs, man, they don't go out trick-or-treating or have costumes. People that are blue, lunch pail kind of guys, you know, blue-collar folk, Right? Every time I see people in the media dressed up, I'm like, well, it's rich folk. Okay? Kids and rich folks. That's what Halloween's for. You know, people that show up, like, to their shows all dressed up and shit, you're like, well, man, you must have a lot of disposable income because I don't. And they're like, you know, oh, yeah, all right. You know, hey. Okay, I'm, uh, hey, I'm I'm not going to spend money on a hula hoop. <laughs> right? Oh, wait a minute. Eastside Monster, you might be right. Nick Sirianni's going as Daffodil. He's going to be dressed up today over at the Eagle facility as like a sunflower seed, or he's going to be like a rose. Look at me. I'm a tulip. <laughs> Why don't you dress up as a head coach? That might work. <laughs> yeah, hey, maybe the two guys, uh, Jonathan uh, Gannon, should dress up as, uh, let me think, let me think. Um, Dick LeBeau and and Nick Sirianni should dress up as Andy Reid. Hey, he, he might need a bigger jacket. You know what I mean? He might need a bigger jacket. You know, hey, this just in. You know, Andy Reid, man. If Andy Reid had ropes to that red jacket that he wears, he'd be in the like Thanksgiving Macy's uh, Day Parade. You know, just put some ropes on that thing, man. He's a big fella. You ever see that picture of him when he was doing the pump pass and kick in that like Rams outfit? This big old Andy Reid, man. He's like twelve years old. He's burying everybody in the room, man. He looks like a, he's like a wallow in there, man. 
That's funny stuff, man. Yeah. Somebody goes, Sil, so what do you think of what do you think of Halloween? I'm, I'm good with the candy and all. Yeah, I'm right. You know, just don't bring me any apples or anything. But outside of that, dude, it's for rich folks and kids. You like my outfit? Unless it's a tutu or you're in a thong, not really. <laughs> not really, right? Anyway. All right, man. Hey, look, there's some really good football games this weekend. Last night showed me something um, about the Packers and how close this is going to be this year, especially on the NFC side. There are a boatload of good one-loss football teams in the NFC this year. I think there's a boatload of good one-loss teams even over in the AFC. I mean, think of how if that play works at the end of the game for the Arizona Cardinals and they get that touchdown, are they still considered the best team in the NFC? I don't know. I still think the Buccaneers are the best team in the NFC because they have the best quarterback in the NFC. Monkey My Bananas, appreciate it, brother. On the flower analogy, I'm a combat veteran. I've heard Navy SEALs make the same speech. Tupac called himself the Rose. That grew from concrete. Okay. Listen to who's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's a combat veteran. Wait a minute, dude. He's a combat veteran. Talking to me about flowers. Okay. Monkey mind bananas. You have my attention. You know why? You've got equity. Because you're a combat veteran. You could talk to me about rainbows and butterflies. You're a fucking combat veteran. Yes, sir. But when you're a dude that is a wide receiver coach and he's coming to Philadelphia with no equity in the bucket, you feel me? You've seen blood and guts, dude. You've got your guy's ass. You're, you're, you're protecting the people in the foxhole with you. You start talking to me about analogies, I don't care what it is. I'm going to listen to you because you know why? I believe you because you've been through the shit. Some dude, some newbie guy starts talking to me like that. Are you going to buy him? Monkey, are you going to buy him some newbie guy coming right out of Fort Bragg? He gets thrown in a foxhole with you and he ain't seen the shit. He starts talking to you about daffodils. You ain't buying that dog. You ain't buying that. Not until he's eating some of the same shit you've eaten. Going out there and got your guys back. Am I right when I say that? Thank you for your service to our country, man. I love you. That's right. You have the clout to do that. You have the clout. Man, you can say anything to me. Right? I don't care about speeches and such. I served also to show me the product on the field. Amen. By the way, you know what Jerome and I used to do after sacks in college at the University of Miami? Do you know why they're... Oh, I never told you guys this why Jerome Brown was drafted to the Philadelphia Eagles. Do you know why he was drafted? Two reasons. 
Our dear friend Norman Brayman, who I love to this day. And Jerome and I used to do this after every sack. It was respect to our soul. Buddy Ryan loved that. Buddy loved that. Buddy loved it. That's why he, I'm not kidding you. Buddy used to get a kick out of that, man. He and I used to, he goes, you two guys, man. Because, like, Buddy was a soldier, right? Hey, Birdman, finally. <laughs> Thank you very much, man. Throw it in the pail for us, man. We appreciate it. You guys are freaking great. By the way, hey, hey guys, my, um, my wife, you know, she lost her brother, David, um, serving. He did three tours in Afghanistan. I raised him from the time he was young. I signed his papers to go into the Rangers. And, um, yeah, and we've, 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 you know, so we appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate all you guys, man. All right, let's do this now. Did last night's win by the Packers pull them up to being the best team in the NFC? Let's go to our friend Jason Cole. By the way, make sure you get the book. Here it is, A Relentless Life, written by Jason here. Great forward at the beginning here. Again, it's a spectacular book. Please make sure everybody goes out to Amazon here, and they end up taking a look at this. be a great Christmas gift coming up this year for someone, especially if you like John Elway here. Last night's win, Jace. Let's, get, let's start there. Does that pull the Packers up as the best team in the NFC right now? Mm, I'm still going with Tampa. I, I, I think Tampa's deepest, best defense overall. Run defense is better. Um, but I'll say that the difference between Tampa, Arizona, and um, and Green Bay is very small. I, will, I, I, I don't – and Dallas – it's kind of lurking back there. You know, now I don't know whether to take Dallas seriously because is this usual Dallas where they get out there and you know they get off to a you know five win, six win start, and yeah, after the first six, seven or eight games, and they already think that they've won the Super Bowl because that's how Dallas thinks. Like they're in first place, they win the division. Like okay, well, just give us the rings right now. That's sort of their mentality, and they always get ahead of themselves. But I would say. I'll go Tampa, then Green Bay, Arizona, and kind of a step behind that is Dallas, and especially in terms of trust, because I just don't trust Dallas. Absolutely, Jason. I mean, I think those teams, like you said, there's a bunch of great one-loss teams this year. There's really, I mean, if you had to really put it out there, because Brady also, Arians, they're repeating. I mean, you probably put your hat there on that hook with the with the Buccaneers, but, I mean, there's no question. It's so close this year in the parity in the league. But let me throw this at you about the Packers here. All and, I didn't, off- and I didn't mention the Rams. Yeah, the Rams are in that conversation as well. Right. You know, all that all-season stuff with, with Aaron Rodgers, when you get games like that last night, look how fast we forget it. I mean, right? I mean, because to me, I mean, you know, they lose in the opener to the Saints. Everybody's like going, oh, my God, the offseason. And then when everything is said and done, he's still the number one candidate once again. To be another year where we see him potentially be the MVPs, another MVP season going on, right? You just forget that oh, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, I mean, the joke of it is, 
you know, whenever we doubt Aaron Rodgers at this point or doubt any of the, you know, top four or five guys in the league, those guys are too consistent, too good at this point in time. Um, so I look, I, I, the only question is with guys like in a situation like that is if things start to fall apart and they start to get a lot of injuries and some dissension, you know, is Aaron going to be the guy who holds them together when he has one foot out the door? Um, yeah, you know, sort of, sort of not. He's a quirky guy, so it's not a perfect situation. But if you're telling me that I get to, I, I get to start my team and I got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, I'll take my chances. I, I'm good. I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, I think he's really. Really, since that first week one, man, he's absolutely pulled up his sleeves there and put that team on his back here. Let me throw this at you here, coaching-wise, especially first-year coach. Are you more – are you looking at Robert Saley or Nick Sirianni, who's having a little bit more trouble kind of weeding themselves into being a head coach in the league and having more issues? Who are you more concerned with as we go forward as an NFL head coach here, Robert Saley of the Jets or Nick Sirianni of the Eagles? Uh, Sirianni, because he got off to a bad start where he didn't sound like a head coach. And we talked about this, right? If you don't sound and you don't, and and I know it's kind of a BS thing. And I'll also say the other side of it is you can come out and, you know, with guns blazing like Dan Campbell, right? And I don't think that that necessarily works either. right? I, I, I think you just have to come out and do you sound like you know what you're going to be able to do? Right. And do you have answers in situations? And if you present yourself as a smart guy, you better follow through on that. And that's what Sirianni did. You know, Dan Campbell is a guy who's, you know, a football romantic in a lot of ways. Like, oh, we're going to ground and pound and do all that kind of stuff. And that sounds great. But at the end of the day, you know, you can try and emulate Parcells, but Parcells was brilliant. Yeah and surrounded himself with brilliant people and knew football and also understood psychology. All right. He was a much deeper thinker than we sometimes like to like to attribute to him. So to me, Sirianni is the one because he was hired with the intention that he was going to be a really smart guy. And right now they don't, they are not playing very smart football. Absolutely. I'm I'm 100% agreement with you here. All right. Trading deadline is next Tuesday, I believe. Do you believe Deshaun Watson will be dealt by then? Yeah. They want to get it done. I mean, how do you really want to pay a guy to not play? Yeah, but Chase, let me stop you here and throw this at you, though. Doesn't it make more sense, though, if you're Nick Casario, the GM of the Texans, to wait until the offseason – so that you could have potentially more teams at the table. Right now, you're basically only talking Dolphins here. Now, look, I don't know. There could be other teams out there, too, that have put packages on the table for Casario to think about. But there's a there's a no trade that's also in this here, too. So, I mean, I mean, th- doesn't it make more sense to maybe eat a little bit of that money, get some assets back? Or, again, do you think they just want to cut bait here and get the hell out of this situation and not be involved what could come next spring with those sexual uh, cases against Watson. There's a lot of that out there, too. 
And the only way that you max out the value on Deshaun Watson is if you wait for everything to, in the in the civil suits and possible criminal suits, there are no criminals. There are no criminal actions yet in this one. But the, at this point in time, the only thing that you can do is wait for the civil suits to wind themselves down, and that's not going to be until next year. We already know that, right? And so you're faced with, I have to hold on to a guy who is A, not playing, B, you know, is probably not a great locker room presence, is reminding all of my players who were in the middle of a losing season that we're not playing our best guy, doesn't want to be there, has all sorts of bad publicity around him. And meanwhile, the guy who writes my check is cutting a check every week, and a big one, okay, for that guy to not play. And eventually, as they say, stuff rolls downhill, okay? <laughs> and that stuff that rolls downhill is not pleasant, okay? Um, and it's certainly not going to roll uphill. Like, the owner's not taking the blame. You know, like, he's not going to all of a sudden take the blame for this. Everybody else is going to take the blame for this. So um, I would, I would, you know, I'd move on at this point in time. You, you're, you're not you, to get max value for what he was really worth. It's going to take way too long and too much aggravation. Will the Browns be in the market for a new quarterback at the end of this season? Probably. Um, I don't know if that's definitely. Would I, he take less money though, Jace? I mean, listen, he. Instead of paying market value 42, would Baker Mayfield do this? Okay, I'll take 35. Do you think they could negotiate this thing to be reasonable? Because like you said, he's not in the Mahomes. He's not in the Dak. He's not in that conversation with Lamar. However, if you're him and you see the grass may not be greener on the other side, do you just put your feet in you know cement here if you're Baker's people? Or do you try to negotiate this thing? I don't know what his real value is. That's right. I don't either. That's a great comment. I, I, I mean, obviously, you're going to be doing your behind-the-scenes reach out to certain teams to say, okay, if he hits the market, what do you do? But I think about it from the position of other teams. Like, what does he do that you want to pay a truckload of money for? I mean, I might pay, you know, a fair amount. But at the end of the day, isn't he sort of like Kirk Cousins with a lot, yeah. with a lot of commercials? Yeah, no, I, 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 I think he's very common. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he has some guts. I like, I like the guts. I like the say. I think he's going to give you everything he's got, and he has moments where he can be truly special. You better surround him with a great running game and you know if they could ever get anything out of Odell at this point I think it, that that offense has has a chance to be I mean savagely good right like just you know it could be awesome but he's just sort of you know average I mean he's he's Alex Smith with you know a bigger brand that's about it absolutely I got two more questions here for you one of them it's going to be a business question here. So the salary cap went down, and is is it is it expected to go down again, or is it 
I know where Tony this is Gomez. going already, but this is awesome. It's it's not going to go down. It's going to go up to about two hundred million dollars next year. It's oh, it, you that, know. Okay, so wait a minute. The players' salary cap goes down, but Roger Goodell's salary goes up, and he makes one hundred twenty-eight million bucks during a pandemic over the last two years, and he's taking bows because he got us through the pandemic. No, 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 Jason. The players got us through the pandemic, not the commissioner. The owners pay for performance. You, you, I, uh, <laughs> you like that? No, I don't. <laughs> you like that? No, but you know what I'm talking about. Let me just say this: guy's never taken a hit in his life, and he's the highest-paid non-owner. Oh God, I hate that guy. I, look, he's been brilliant for the business. I'm not, and, and I get what you're saying, and it would. If I was Brady a player, even brought Brady even brought it up. Brady brought it up a couple months ago. How's the cap going down? I, I trust me, I get that. Okay, but that has more to do with the leadership on the other side than it does to have, have with with Roger. Okay, Roger has done a pretty good job of growing the business by eight percent a year and getting them to you know I think they're what are about sixteen, seventeen, eighteen billion dollars. I can't and, hear you. Yeah, you're you're you don't like yeah, you don't want to hear that. He's done that part, and I'll say this, he's negotiated back to back 10-year deals, which have maximized their their media deals, right? And he's put the I mean, look, he's gone to the woodshed twice with players and kicked them all over the place. I was looking at this the other day. They D Smith and the union loves to talk about how. Oh, we got rid of the expenses. The owners don't get to claim expenses anymore. Go look at page seventy-four to page seventy-three to eighty-four of the collective bargaining agreement. It's eleven and a half pages of what they call exclusions. And let me just tell you, exclusions are the same thing as expenses. And the and the owners right now are getting. I mean, I gotta think it's over a billion dollars in exclusions. From all revenue, it's eleven pages of just. Pay, I mean, it's just like item after item after item after item. When you just go, they really gave up this money. They really gave up their share of this. They gave up their share of that. Are you kidding me? Like the first hundred and fifty-two million dollars of Cowboys memorabilia and and swag that gets sold through third party. I mean, it's just, a, you talk about the business and you just sit there and you go, you know what? Roger Goodell's a genius at negotiation. And the last part I will say that his bosses, because the players are not his bosses, the owners since 2011, okay? In 2011, the average value of an NFL team was... $1 billion. Today, right now, the average price of a value of an NFL team, the average price is $3.5 billion. In 10 years, those guys have gone from owing a $1 billion operation to, on average, a $3.5 billion operation. They should. You could make an argument that Roger's underpaid by those guys. And the salary cap has gone in that same time from 120 million to 180 million dollars this year. Who won the deal in 2011 and keeps winning in 2020? 
Roger Goodell, and as much as you don't like it, he's served his his bosses very well. I'm sorry, I have backwash in my mouth here, but okay, I guess so. I mean, I mean, it's what it is, man. I mean, you you don't like it as a player. How about this? Learn the business. Learn how this thing's supposed to work, and make it a fair fight. Can't because they own all the cards. All right, hang on here now. Here, here. So your boy Shanahan, if he has a losing season this year, that'll be four and five years. We talked Why about is this he still week. the head coach of the 49ers? Because there's still a lot of promise. He's a great offensive play caller. When he's had a healthy starting quarterback, he's done very, very well. And they believe that this this guy that they just drafted is going to be the magic answer. And if you if you believe that, if you allow Kyle Shanahan to draft Trey Lance, to develop Trey Lance, you should not. Yes, you're right. You should not change now. You should allow him to do that going forward. Okay? That, then do you think he should start the way out then? Just go like this. Let's just go with him then because – Let's just go with it because it's a big game this if week, and if they lose I, look, it, we talked about you know like there's all sorts of people. Oh, run him out there and let him play. Is that working for Justin Fields in Chicago? Absolutely not. Right. You play him when he's ready, and you let the coach make the decision. I, I, I the coach knows what he wants that kid to do in practice, what he wants to be prepared for, all of those things. You let the coach make that decision, but. As much as it's a hard thing that they've, you know, four losing seasons out of five, all those things that you just mentioned. If you committed so many resources right. to getting Trey Lance and to making him the answer, then get keep the coach who believed in him and drafted him and all those things. That is, to me, is crucially important as you look ahead with the 49ers. You're, 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 you're dead on with that. All right. So let me leave you with this one here. So then when everything is said and done, I think Rodgers got two more years left on his tenure, I believe, as commissioner. He ain't going nowhere. <laughs> uh, uh, you don't think he leaves after two years? He's contracted only has two years left. You think they get re-up him? I think they're – I think that uh, – why wouldn't you leave if you're making $64 million a year? You think one? he's a Hall of Fame guy? Roger? Yeah. Um, more than some other people who've been in that spot. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys make sure you get the book that's a great way to go on that one there man jace i love you man thank you so much for doing this brother all right dude anytime be good you got it man that's my friend jason cole we'll take a brief time out back to you i'll tell you why the lions beat the eagles on sunday we'll do it next right here on the national football show At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. 
when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Welcome back, National Football Show. Your boy Big Show. Captain Kneecaps versus Flower Child on Sunday. Yeah, we're gonna go out there and we're gonna play against the Eagles and we're gonna run the ball and we're gonna kick the shit out of them. Coach, what do you make of Coach Campbell's comments? Well, yeah, I've got to check my garden. You know. The tulips and the uh, squash. What else do they do? Uh, tomatoes, pumpkins. You know? Oh, have you been through my pumpkin patch? Oh, my God, my pumpkin patch. Wait till you see my pumpkin patch. Oh. They, they resemble my linebackers. They're green, but they're not really ready. <laughs> you mean like you? <laughs> right? This will be a close one. I say 28-20, but I'm going to go like this. It could be like 28-27, something like that. It's going to be a dog fight. Be a dog fight, man. Two and five Eagles versus the 0-7 Lions. Like something out of a horror show because it is Halloween this weekend. Watch Dan, watch Dan Campbell start tearing up like he's dick for a meal on Sunday if they win. It's a Zen garden. Hey, Eastside Monster says it's a Zen garden. See, that's what Phil did, right? Yeah, right? Phil Phil Jackson would go, let me sprinkle the Zen dust. Yeah, the difference with that guy that was sprinkling the Zen dust is because that guy knew how to handle Michael Jordan. You think Jordan, he convinced Jordan, Mike, 
do me a favor. Don't be Russell Westbrook and chunk up the ball all the time. Pass it around. You know, Michael Jordan, when Phil Jackson got in the building there, was never a scoring champion again. He was never a scoring champion when they started winning titles. He said, don't winning a scoring title. What's that mean? Who cares? It's like for throwing the most yards or having the most touchdown passes. Who cares? Give me the most wins. That's what Brady's about. He's about the most. Brady's greatest accomplishment. Do you know what Michael Jordan's greatest accomplishment is? That 70-win basketball team that also closed it out winning the NBA championship. And those six straight NBA titles and those six straight finals MVPs. That's his greatest stat. Do you know what Brady's greatest stat is? Seven Super Bowl championships. All those MVPs. Nothing else matters, friends. Winning and losing. You know, isn't it something? People who are out. By the way, guys, please hit the like button. We really appreciate you guys have been spectacular at that. I mean, the best. How about this? I would say this. You guys are the best people that I have spoken to. Here's in, in my 30 years of broadcasting. I love talking in San Francisco. Believe it or not, man, they're really great baseball fans. Really great baseball fans. And so th- they're really diehard Giant fans. Okay? That's a Giant city. It's not really a 49er city. You would think it would be, but it was. it's a Giant city. Tampa was great, too, because the college of pro football. Okay? And when I was in L.A., it was terrible. I don't know. I got to get over to the mall, and maybe I'll get to a Dodger game. Right? <laughs> You're like, okay. Well, it's the beach this weekend. No. It's the Rams this weekend. No, it's the beach, then the Rams. Oh, okay. You imagine doing that in Philly? Watch this. Yeah, I gotta get down to Geno's and I gotta yeah, then I'll get over to the Eagle game. No, no, no. I stop at Geno's after the Eagle game. Okay? I, I after <laughs> the Eagle game, I go to Geno's. I don't eat before I go. Dog, you've been to any of those tailgate parties that we have out there? Come on now. Come on now. By the way, Jameis Winston, a revenge game against the Buccaneers this weekend. I think Jameis is playing pretty good. Could it be a sneaky game because the Saints are pretty good on defense? I think it could be. Hey, listen, that game, even when I played in that game, the Buccaneers and the Saints, guys, whatever reason that thing was, that thing was always a hard-fought ball game, no matter how good the teams were. It's because it's common opponent, you know? You play each other a lot. We were back in the day when I played, we were in a thing called the NFC Central Division. And the Saints and the Bucks were in the Central Division with the Packers, Bears, and Vikings. And the Central Division was known as the Black and Blue Division. And, and believe me, man, didn't matter what your record was and how good you were, man, you came out of them games, man. You were beat the fuck up in them games. You go up to Green Bay and go up to Lambeau. Hey, the stadium's great. It was a hard-fought game, man. Or the old Hubert Humphrey Dome. That thing was a tough-ass, loud place to play. Tough game to play. Really. 
The Silverdome with the Lions, that was a tough place to play too, man. Was. These games were tough, dude. Bears at Soldier Field in November. Oof, good grief. The Superdome was loud. It's still as loud. One of the loudest buildings on the planet. So I got 28-20 Lions. Maybe the best thing that could happen because maybe it begins the process of cleaning house. So we shall see. Guys, one more time. Please, man, what a big week. We had a huge week this year with you guys, and it's all because of you. We want to thank you very much for making it happen for me. Thank you. I can't, I can't, I cannot thank you enough. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, man. Please hit the like button, share it a little bit later on if you can. We'll have Gary Cobb from Fox 29, Philadelphia on a Monday. We will talk about the Lions and Eagle game, college football on Saturday. I think Michigan State beats the tar out of Michigan. I think that's going to be a big one. We will catch you Monday going four to six. Have a great weekend, and we shall see you on the flip side. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.